Welcome to the Reclaim Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Whether you're a part of our Reclaim Church family or just tuning in for the first time, we would love to connect with you on Instagram at Reclaim Church or at our website at reclaimed-church.com. We hope this word encourages and inspires you today. Let's dive in. Just in case you were not here last week, we kicked off a new series called Necessary Sins, all right? And the reason why the question mark is there is because my wife told me she'd find a new church if it wasn't there, all right? So we added the question mark there, and the reason why we called it Necessary Sins is because there's things in our lives, ways that we process emotions and conflict and circumstances. And a lot of times we use sins to do that, but yet they feel so necessary in the way that we go through life. All right. So we want to make sure that we're not just living in the way that maybe we were brought up or in the way that our parents processed emotions or in the way that culture processes conflict, but we want to make sure that we are living life the way that Jesus Jesus instructs us to live our lives. So that's kind of the goal is what we've been going through is a necessary sin. So last week we talked about gossip and this week we're going to be talking about anger. All right. So we're going to be talking about anger and how at times in the middle of conflict, in the middle of frustrating circumstances, it can feel so necessary. All right. But before we get started, I wanted to um, just go ahead and read Psalms 139 real quick. Um, It's not going to be on the screen because I just want to go over it again. Um, We read it to start out last week, but I'm just going to read it for you guys. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is our goal is I just want us before we start to take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to search our hearts. All right. Because no one wants to be labeled as the angry person or the person that gossips. But at the end of the day, we don't want to have things going on in our hearts and be unaware of it. All right. So quick minute. Let's just take a second. Go, God, will you please search my heart? Will you please test my thoughts? Will you please make me aware of what's going on on the inside of me? All right, sweet. So we're going to go on. And again, necessary sins. Many of us will probably say with our mouths that these things are wrong, but yet we can live our lives as though they are completely necessary. All right, so first one is anger. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I know none of you guys are angry. No one uses the word anger or rage. I mean, none of us deal with that type of stuff. What we deal with is frustration, all right? Because frustration is a very sophisticated word and we're sophisticated people. So we would never label ourselves as angry or people that deal with rage, but we would say from time to time, we deal with frustration. Because the nice thing about frustration is we can say we are only frustrated because of what's going on around us. Anger has this kind of ideas though there's something wrong with us, but frustration pretty much just describes something wrong with everybody else or a situation that we're going through because we're just frustrated. Now, this is the interesting thing is what is the difference between frustration and anger? How would you define a difference between the two? I was thinking about this, so I decided to go ahead and look up the definitions. The definition of frustration is the feeling of being upset or annoyed. 
The definition of anger is the feeling of annoyance or displeasure. All right, so they're practically the same exact thing. They are the same thing. But what we like to do, I talked about this last week when we talked about gossip, is we like to rename sins. And the, way, the reason why we do this is because as soon as we rename a sin, we give it the opportunity to stay in our lives. So we like to rename gossip as venting. We like to rename anger as frustration because when we give it that virtuous name, it allows it to have a place in our heart and we allow it somewhere to stay. So we like to use this word frustration because it's not really me that's the problem. It's everyone around me. And depending on our day at work, depending on how people treat me or depending on if someone took advantage of me, frustration can feel so necessary. It doesn't really feel wrong. It feels necessary. It feels like a way that I can express myself to tell the world how wrong it is. But it's not me. It's them. It's just frustration. That's at least the way that I can feel and the way that I can um, experience life sometimes. Maybe you guys don't deal with that. But I figured let's go ahead and look at what Jesus has to say about the topic. So we're going to flip over to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read verse 18. This is the NIV version. And Jesus says, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. So in the middle of that conflict, in the middle of the situation at work, in the middle of traffic, when someone cuts you off, in the middle of the instance when someone disrespects you, all of that frustration, all of those comments that we make or the uh, angry words that we might say, all of that that comes out of us is coming from within us. And a lot of times it feels as though it's everyone else that's the problem, but in order for it to come out of us, it has to first be within us. And that's why this series where we're learning that although it might feel necessary, it doesn't mean that it actually is. Jesus is inviting us into this new way of living where we don't just look at the rest of the world, but we can look into our heart and make sure that what we're doing in here is honoring him. Because as children and as we grow up through the school system and as we're parented, a lot of times we are taught how to um, keep our actions in line. You know, that's how you guys made it here. That's how you keep a job. That's how you got married. That's how you stay married is because you've learned to keep a control over your actions. But very few of us have learned how to control our heart or the inside of us. Jesus is using the heart to describe what is going on on the inside. And it's very possible that you can live as a very angry person, not just out here. Maybe you don't yell, you don't scream, but you are angry in in here. And Jesus goes, you know, whatever comes out of you, what's going on in you, that heart is determining the course of your life. All of the troubles in your life are flowing from this one place. So we want to make sure that we're not just focusing on what's going on out here, but we're looking in here because when our emotions take control, things obviously get out of control. All right, so James puts it this way. Um, James, the brother of Jesus, when he wrote his 
New Testament letter that was canonized. In chapter 4, verse 1, James says, What causes the quarrels and fights among you? Now, it's super easy to kind of read this from the outside in, but I want us to imagine for a second that James is having a conversation with you, and I want you to imagine the last time that you got frustrated. All right, so in the middle of your situation, maybe someone broke a promise, they said something rude to you, you know, you're, whatever that conflict situation is, imagine you're in the middle of this and James asks you, what is causing the frustration? What is causing the quarrels among you? Now, I don't know if it's just me, but I would want to look at James and go, well, what you mean is not what is, what you mean is who is, right? Like the who is causing my frustration. Like the who is my husband who told me he would actually do this, but he never does. The who is my mom who keeps telling me how to parent. The who is my teenage son who acts as if he knows everything. The who is the fact that no one respects me. It's not really a what, And a lot of times it can feel as though frustration and anger is always coming from a who and not a what. But this is the point is it's really easy to miss what James is trying to tell us. All right. Because as long as we think it's a who, we will never get to what the problem is. As long as we think it's a who, we will never get to what the problem is. Is. So he goes on, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So as long as you think the only problem, as long as you think the only problem is out there, you will never deal with the ugly source going on in here. The reason why we get angry, right? This is like one of the number one things I want you to take away today, and it might come as a shock, right? Every single time in your entire life you have gotten frustrated or angry, it's been because of one reason, all right? The one reason why you have gotten angry is because there was something that you wanted that you didn't get. Every single time you've gotten frustrated, every single time you've gotten angry, you wanted something and you didn't get it. Well, she should respect me. Right, and you want her to respect you, but she's not respecting you, so you're not getting what you want. Well, well, people should love me. They should treat me kindly. You don't get it. I, I deserve to be treated better. And that's probably true, but the point is, you're not getting what you deserve, and you want to get what you deserve, and you're not getting what you deserve, so you're not getting what you want. And well, well, they promised, they promised they wouldn't do it again. And yeah, of course, people should follow through on their promises, but they're not following through on their promises, and you want them to follow through on their promises, so you're not getting what you want. Every single time we've dealt with anger or frustration, it's been because there's something that we wanted that we aren't getting. And if people would just do things differently, we always think it's what's going on out there when in reality, it's all about I'm not getting what I want. So in the moment, if you could pause 
one frustration and rage and anger, you guys probably like the frustration word better, when all of those emotions are rising, in that moment, if we could pause and we could go, you know what part of the problem is? Do you know what part of the problem is? Is I'm not getting what I want. Imagine the next time you're having a um, conflict scenario with your spouse is if you pause and you go, you know what the problem is? <laughs> I'm not getting what I want. I had to do that on the way home last night when I was getting a little frustrated. I had to go, you know what the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. And it's really easy as adults, you know, most of us are adults in the room. And as adults, we just have this um, sense that like, I'm such a selfless person. You know, like it's all about my children. It's all about my spouse. Like I'm just here to make sure everyone else is happy. And we can live our lives believing that we're selfless, not realizing how selfish we truly are. Because if you live angry, chances are you have a problem with selfishness because you're not getting what you want. And that's the only reason why you're angry. I'm not getting what I want. And you know what the problem is? That seems to be a question that we should ask ourselves every single time we get into frustration. It doesn't mean that it fixes the problem, but it means that it helps us lower the intensity. It lowers the rage because it's so easy to believe that the only problem is what's going on out there, not realizing that there is a problem in here. And I'm telling you, the moment you start to embrace this way of processing your anger and frustration, it will be the first time that anger and frustration don't feel necessary because it can feel as though it's a necessary response to what's going on around you. But when you realize that it's actually an issue going on in here for the first time, it won't feel necessary. But as long as you think it's him, as long as you think it's her, and since you can't control her, you will believe that you have an excuse to not control yourself. And that's why so much of us deal with anger. We deal with rage, even if we're not someone that screams, but maybe you're someone that deals with anger in here. It's because I can't control the person in traffic. I can't control my wife. I can't control my spouse. And since they're the only problem, we believe we have an excuse to not control ourselves. But we have to realize, okay, part of the problem Part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want. And I have the option to either let this person or this situation control me and control my happiness, or I can realize that I'm a powerful person and I can control what's going on on the inside of me. The source isn't out there. It's in here. We're not getting what we want. And it can be challenging to realize, I want you to start to go through, you know, the last time you were frustrated, the last time you were angry, and walk through and process your frustration or your anger. There was something that you wanted that you didn't get. And as long as we think the problem is solely the other person, solely the situation, we will think that we have no responsibility to control ourselves. 
All right, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. Obviously, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel hurt or you shouldn't feel pain when someone breaks a promise or when someone hurts you or takes advantage of you. Those are painful and hurtful situations, but in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the conflict, in the middle of the traffic, in the middle of the argument, in the middle, a mature and wise person pauses. They pause and go, you know what? Part of the problem is, part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want. Because just because someone didn't control themselves doesn't mean I have an excuse to not control myself. Just because someone else hurt me, just because someone else broke a promise doesn't mean I have an excuse to not control myself. Because this anger that's coming out of me is coming from within me. There's something inside of me that needs to be dealt with. There's a debt that needs to be paid. There's something that I need to pull out and deal with. And as long as we believe that this is just a necessary part of life, we can go on our entire life not realizing that we are actually the problem. We can believe that, well, if you just want to squeeze me, that anger wouldn't come out. Well, yeah, that's true, but it's still on the inside of you. You're right. If everyone treated you perfectly and nothing bad went wrong, you would actually be enjoyable to be around. You're so, you're so right. But you see, when life gets difficult, when things start to shake you up and squeeze you, the things that come out of you are what is truly inside of you. Just because someone else didn't control themselves doesn't mean you have an excuse not to control yourself. All right. So what we're going to talk about is kind of a way to process this because what Jesus says is do not allow the sun to go down on your anger because what happens is the longer anger is allowed to stay in your heart, that anger then turns into bitterness, all right? And bitterness has the opportunity to literally destroy every single relationship that you have. And the interesting thing is the bitterness from your ex can actually destroy the relationship that you're in now. When you don't actually release the payment of a debt, you can put that on a person that had never wronged you. And we do that as people all the time. We are hurt as a child and we bring that debt into our new family, into our new relationship. We can be hurt by a parent and the next thing you know, we end up treating our children in a similar way. And it's because someone wronged us and that hurt and that pain was never truly dealt with. All right, so that's what we're gonna be talking about because I want us to just... Um, this is going to be real quick and basic, and today is not going to take long, okay? But if you guys get the point of it, I can promise you it will literally change your life, all right? So the first point, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of, you know, our frustration, wise and people with understanding pause, and we go, part of the problem is I'm not getting what I Want. All right, so that's your number one takeaway for today, okay? Now we're going to move into how do we process um, hurt? How do we process when we've been taken advantage of or promises have been broken? How do we make sure that anger never turns into bitterness? And if it has, how do we deal with it? All right, so the way that this works, whenever we are wronged, there is a debt 
that has to be paid. And that debt is different depending on what the offense is. But the problem is, is that people don't pay the debt back. And in many cases, they can't pay the debt back. If your dad left you when you were a child, there might be a gap in your life, but you see, your dad probably cannot go back and fix what it is that was broken. If your husband had an affair on you, there's probably something that cannot be fixed. They cannot repay that debt, all right? But the point is there's still a debt inside of your heart. And so we're gonna go through these four processes of um, essentially releasing that debt. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and read Ephesians chapter four, verse 31 and 32. All right, and the reason why we're doing this is because if you don't address anger, all right, we will eventually believe everyone owes us something, all right, because that debt will be unpaid and we will believe that person owes us. And this is why you can run into people. If you've ever met somebody that like fast is never fast enough or good is never good enough. Like they're just never happy. They always find something to be angry about. They believe that the world owes them. All right. Because anger says you owe me. So when there's a debt that's unpaid and that person can't pay it, your father can't pay you back. Your husband can't pay you back. You can live with this underlying feeling as though everyone owes you something. All right. And this has the possibility of wreaking havoc on every single relationship that you have. Right. Anger is an absolute disease. And the only remedy is forgiveness. The only remedy is mercy and compassion. All right. This is why we're reading Ephesians chapter four, verse 31. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. So that forgiving one another is the how, all right? So he lists what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to get rid, and then what are we supposed to get rid of? Anger, rage, and he makes the list, and then he says how, and the how we get rid of it is by forgiving one another. And maybe you have been wronged, and maybe you have been broken and hurt, and you're thinking, well, that's easier said than done. And yes, yes it is, but it's still possible. All right, so we're going to walk through four steps of forgiveness, and to make sure that this isn't just a um, fairy tale type of forgiveness, but to make sure that it's practical and we can actually do this. All right, so if you're taking notes, I recommend you write down these four steps. If you are an angry person, and let's just be honest, you know who you are, you know you deal with frustration. All right, you're probably going to want to do this at night. All right, before you go to bed, because you're going to take more time to process. And I would have, and still don't, I would never label myself as an angry person. But while I was preparing this, I had found debts inside of my heart that I never knew that I had. Like small things. I didn't even realize that they bothered me, but I started to process people and circumstances. And I thought, do they owe me anything? Is there something that they said that comes to mind? 
If you can think about a particular person and a um, saying that they said about you or a comment that they made can come to mind, then these four steps are for you, okay? So we're gonna go ahead and write them down. The first one is you identify who hurt you. This is the easy one, all right? We're gonna start out with easy step one. You identify who hurt you. And I say it's easy, but it's also possible if you have some childhood hurt or things that have been brought back into your current life, it can be a little bit more difficult to identify, but you wanna find who hurt me, who took advantage of me, who broke a promise, who you know, lied to me, whatever it might be, who hurt me, who is really behind my anger because it's probably not just um, you know, the person at the grocery store. The chances are there's someone that is making me angry. All right, now number two is the one that's a little bit more difficult and it's gonna take a lot more time. And this is normally the step that everyone forgets. And this is why I believe a lot of times people say, well, I've tried forgiving them a hundred times or, or I keep forgiving them, but it just doesn't seem to take, all right? So step two is you determine what people owe you, all right? And this is the whole point of number two though. You have to be specific. You have to be very, very specific because you cannot forgive something that you have not taken the time to identify, all right? If you're gonna forgive something, if you're gonna forgive a debt, you have to first identify what it is, all right? So people, a lot of times they forgive generally, but never specifically. And until you identify the debt, you're not ready to cancel it. All right, you first have to identify it before you can cancel it. So meaning, if, um, if, if your spouse had an affair, you don't just forgive them for having an affair. What do they owe you? What was taken from you? What would it take to make it right? Well, um, I don't feel like I can, my trust was, was altered. My, I don't feel peace at night. I don't feel protected. And you go through the list of every single thing that would have been taken from you. Because if you forgive generally, you're not going to heal specific wounds, all right? So when we go through anger, anger comes from being hurt, the feeling that someone owes us. And if we just forgive generally, we'll never heal specific wounds, all right? What people need, what do they need in order to fix the situation, right? Again, does it mean going back in time? Whatever it might be, you create this hypothetical scenario. What would it take to pay the debt? Is it, um, would it take loyalty? Would it take time? Would it take money? What would it take in order for this debt to be paid? All right, so the first step is you determine who hurt you. Second step, you determine what those people owe you and you have to be extremely specific, all right? Because general forgiveness does not fix specific hurt. All right, so number three is you simply cancel the debt. All right, now this might just be, again, it depends on what type of pain and hurt you've been through. This might be as simple as making a mental you know, statement, or I know a lot of people that have um, written out a you know, if you've really been hurt and you have a lot of specific wounds, maybe from a parent or a spouse, someone left you or rejected you, took advantage of you, you need to write out those specific 
hurts, those specific debts, write them out on a piece of paper. And I've seen people, you know, toss them into a fire or light them with a candle, whatever it might be, as a way to signify that the debt is paid. Because when things are taken from us, there is a debt and that debt needs to be paid, all right? Even if you don't feel like they deserve it, you didn't deserve Christ's love or forgiveness either, all right? So people don't have to deserve it in order to receive it. You just have to be willing to cancel the debt. All right, so that one's kind of obvious. A lot of people understand that. Step four is one of the... um, most important ones that a lot of people skip, and that is that you dismiss the case. All right, so number three, you cancel the debt. Number four, you dismiss the case. And this can be the hardest one, the hardest part, especially if you've been carrying some hurt or some anger, frustration for decades especially if your sister-in-law has made comments for years, especially if your husband's been making you feel unloved for years, this can be really difficult because it feels like a necessary part of life. You've been living like this for a long, long time, okay? And we have to remember that our feelings don't automatically follow our decisions, all right? So forgiveness is just the first step out of pain. It's not the last, right? It is a process, but we make the decision to never reopen the case because when we're specific, when those feelings come up, when their name comes up and we want to reopen it, when the emotions rise, we make a mental reminder, the case is dismissed. The case is dismissed. The debt has already been canceled, so I'm not allowed to bring it up. Just like Christ doesn't bring up your old sins or your old screw-ups or mess-ups in the same way we want to reflect the way that he forgave us and go, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to dismiss the case, right? So that means you guys no longer get to have the imaginary conversations You no longer get to finally, you know, tell them how it is or replay the scenario in the way that you deem it should have happened. I know this is how you spend most of your nights, right? You don't get to do it anymore because the case is dismissed. You take the opportunity to reaffirm the fact that you canceled the debt. She doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe me anything. I chose to cancel the debt. Feelings come, feelings go, but the decision to cancel the debt remains the same. Forgiveness rarely means forgetting, but forgiveness empowers us to keep those memories where they belong, all right? And that is in the past. Far too often, we allow things from our past to hinder our future, all right? And we know from the measure that we forgive will be the measure that we are forgiven. Frustration and anger is not just a necessary part of life. It is so easy to believe that we are able to react and respond just because someone else didn't control themselves, but that doesn't give us an excuse not to control ourselves. All right, so I want us to take a minute, um, short message, but I want us to go ahead and take a minute and pray and ask the Lord again to search our hearts, okay? You know, Lord, lights, and if you have any music, it'd be cool. Um, so let's go ahead and ask the Lord, God, will you search me, oh Lord? 
And just ask God, will you bring someone to mind? Will you bring a family member to mind, a child, a parent, a spouse, a coworker? Will you remind me of some debts that I haven't canceled yet? And you know, this could actually take some time because like I said, you have to be specific. Just like the Lord forgave us, we want to make sure that we're extending forgiveness to people that have wronged us, that have hurt us. So God, we just ask that you would give us the grace, the humility to actually reflect you, to reject anger, to reject rage, that you would give us the grace, the humility, the courage to be like you, Father. We want to extend mercy. We want to extend grace. And we don't want to live as though frustration is a necessary part of our lives. We want to reflect you. We want to live our lives like you did. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe for more from your Reclaim Church family. God bless, and we hope that you have an amazing week.